May I read again these words from Revelation 20? Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, bound him for a thousand years, and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he would be released for a short time. Then I saw the thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is a very special and mysterious portion of Scripture. One that reveals a very unique period of time within the history of mankind this 1,000-year period known to us as the millennium. As I said to you at the close of last week's message, for the most part of my years as a Christian, I've had a very limited understanding of why after the Great Tribulation and then the Battle of Armageddon, that God did not just close the book on man's earthly existence. Why He would just seem to then tack on another 1,000 years, it's been a mystery to me. Thankfully, over these past few weeks, after studying long on these scriptures, and then also a lot of comments on several trusted commentators like John MacArthur, and after also recalling the words in Second Peter that tell us that God does not desire that any should perish, I believe I've come to at least some reasonable understanding of the why behind these words. Part of my confusion about the millennium, as well as a confusion regarding some of the other mysterious events that are described here in the book of Revelation, is that many of the Bible teachers that I have sat under over the years, so many of them have had differing views about what the events described here really are all about. And those differences seem most to be concerned with whether some, if not most, of these prophetic words given to us here are really literal. Literal. 
or if they are instead intended to be just taken as only being figurative, symbolic, or allegorical. Now for myself and for my personal understanding regarding these scriptures, I'm fully convinced that yes, some of these words contained throughout all of these scriptures might possibly be figurative. And I know of some that are allegorical. As a rule, that is the exception. And unless God's Spirit clearly reveals particular words and events within these scriptures to be only figurative, such as as Jesus would give parables, if they are not obviously figurative, then I must first and always receive these words of these scriptures and their meaning as real and literal. Now may I say that another way? That yes, there are lots of metaphors and symbolic wordings and parables in these scriptures. And they serve good purposes. They help us to understand some of God's truths a little bit better. But unless those words or incidents are obviously intended to be figurative or metaphorical, we should, you should, I should almost always consider them to be just as they are presented to us. They are actual and they are literal. Why do I bring this up at this point in our reading of these words here in the book of Revelation? It's because there are a goodly number of believers, many of them far more learned in these scriptures than I am, who believe and teach what I've just been saying, that these words and incidents given here in the book of Revelation are not literal. They're not intended to be literal, but are instead figurative, metaphorical. Though while, yes, some of these events might be real and actual, those references are not to future events that will take place at the end of time, but are rather speaking perhaps about events that have already taken place in earlier times. And they'll quote things that have taken place in the first century, in the days when Christ suffered and died there on the cross, and when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, and on and on. And that form of understanding of these words that we're reading here today and especially regarding the millennium, they're relatively common. Those beliefs are relatively common among many of our Presbyterian brethren. And it's called amillennialism or postmillennialism, one of the two. Postmillennialism saying that after the millennial kingdom, then certain things will take place. Amillennialism says that there really is no 1,000 years not literally, that we are living within that period of time right now and that Satan's bindings only keep him from doing what he could have done much worse. That the church age that we now live in is the millennium. That's the general understanding within our millennialism. And many of these folks sincerely believe that These other words and events that I've been preaching as being actual events which will take place in the coming days ahead, that they're really figurative. And again, perhaps have taken place, some of them, 
in the past. But especially regarding this millennium, that the 1,000 years that's mentioned five to six times is not an actual number of years, but is rather a figurative span of time. The time, as I said a moment ago, that we're actually living in now, that we're living within that millennial period, that right now Satan is figuratively bound, not able to be as bad as he could be. Now again, my understanding of these scriptures is not that, but rather that these words and the events described here that I've been preaching for the past many weeks, these are literal. They're to be received literally. That there is a general time frame that's being set forth within this book of Revelation leading up to chapter 20 where we are today. That there in chapter 20 immediately following the battle of Armageddon in chapter 19 that Satan and his fellow demons will actually be thrown in to that bottomless pit and bound there, truly bound, sealed up within the abyss, completely unable to tempt and influence the people of the earth for a thousand years. But then, when that 1,000 years is complete, Satan will be then released from that pit. And for a while, it says in these scriptures, for a while, once again, be able to work his evil wiles upon the people of the earth, those people of those nations, turning many of them away from Christ, but in the end, bringing about his own demise. This understanding that I have come to believe and have been teaching you and preaching to you has been named by the Bible theologians as the premillennialist view. Premillennialist. That we are now currently in a premillennial period of time before the millennium and that the millennium is a literal 1,000 years and it's still yet to take place. Now I hope I haven't confused you with those explanations. If I have, please do come to me later and we can talk more about them. So then, may I say this again? Pardon my repeating of myself, but may I say again that over these past many weeks, the words that I have been preaching to you from these first 19 chapters of the book of Revelation, they are from the firm belief that each event within the tribulation will actually and literally take place. Portions of stars will fall from the sky. The seas will turn into blood. All of those many events, they are literal and they will take place exactly as it's prophesied here. And all the events up through chapter 19 will occur just prior to this millennium period that we'll talk about today. And that's where we are. Chapter 20. The next event to take place will be this 1,000 years of millennium. Let me read those for you, beginning in verse 4. Now this is after Satan has been bound. He's been thrown into the abyss. Immediately after that, verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them. Now this is there in Jerusalem. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. Now let me say to you, this word judgment does not necessarily imply 
as we would understand judging to be today. This form of judging is a governing, a supervising kind of activity. I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony. This is telling who's sitting on the thrones. Those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, those people who had been martyred, had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hands. And they came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years was completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. Now they're in their resurrected bodies, their glorified bodies, and they will reign with Christ there on his thrones. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now again, here at this point, Satan and his fellow demons are all gone from the earth. I want us to get this vision of what is taking place. Satan and his demons are gone from the earth, bound and confined. Ephesians 6 will no longer apply where it is, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the powers and the principalities of the dark places of of evil. That will not be taking place. Satan and all of his demons will be bound and confined in the abyss. Christ is now reigning on the throne of David, as was promised there in Jerusalem, in his millennial kingdom. And reigning with Christ and judging the people of the earth will be many of those saints that he described there in those words that have been brought back in their resurrected life. And among them will be, you recall from other scriptures, the 24 elders will be there. The 12 disciples will be reigning with him. Remember Jesus told him that? Told his disciples that they would reign with him. And then seated with all of them, they're in those positions of of authority, will also be the saints who have suffered and been martyred for Christ's sake during all of the years of existence of the earth, but especially those that died during the tribulation. And then lastly... As I said a moment ago, on those thrones will possibly be some of us. Because we're told that we will reign with Him in the millennial kingdom. What a joy that would be. That excites me to think that I might be given a city to oversee, to govern. But then again, the question comes to many, well, who then will they reign over? And it's, as I said, we find that answer in these words that speak of these many, many people who will remain on the earth after Christ has vanquished Satan and all of his forces in the battle of Armageddon. It's those who remain on the earth. And according to John MacArthur, and I'll quote here in a moment some of the things he said, he said, there will only be Christians left on the earth at that point because everybody else who had not received Christ will have died during those days of the tribulation and Armageddon. I don't know if that is true, but there will be a lot of flesh and blood people still left on the earth, and they'll be in the four corners of the earth, and that's who we will be reigning over. That's in chapter 8, I mean in verse 8 of this chapter, by the way. But none of those people who are remaining will be any of those who who took the mark of the beast. Scripture says that they will have already died. 
So then, the millennial kingdom is in place. And it will reign for a thousand years. It's not quite heaven, because it's still here on the earth and there's still more living to do. Because they are glorified saints, that's us, who will never taste sin again or temptation again. And we'll be reigning with Christ. And then there will also be people, regular flesh and blood people. They'll have their sin nature, but they'll not have the temptations that currently go on in your and my life. So it'll not quite be heaven, but it really will probably be very close. There will be a thousand years of joyful living. Because again, as I said a moment ago, the resurrected saints, you and I, will be joyous because in our glorified state, we'll be completely free from temptation, from sin. And with Christ reigning with great love, but also speaks of Him reigning with a rod of iron. He'll not permit the things that take place today to take place. He'll rule with this rod of iron. Satan will not be around to tempt all those people in all of those corners of the earth. So there will be very few wars, very little strife, very little suffering. One of, again, the trusted commentators, John MacArthur, he has this to say about the millennial kingdom. He says, we don't know exactly what it will be like. It could be a time with no prisons, no hospitals, no mental institutions, no barracks, no saloons, no houses of ill repute, no gambling dens, no homes for the aged and the infirm. The bloom of youth is on everyone's cheek. There's a a reference to if you die at 100 years old, you'll be as if you died as a child. So people will live very long lives during that that time. The bloom of youth is on everyone's cheek. Cemeteries are crumbling relics of the past. People will live, some of them might live through the whole 1,000 years. We don't know that. Tears will be infrequent. The wolf and the lamb and the calf and the lion and the cow and the bear, the child and the scorpion are all at peace. Jesus has come. The golden age has dawned. The earth is filled with the knowledge of God. Jesus is Lord. He rules the nations with a rod of iron. His reign is righteous and the nations obey. Sin is visited with swift and certain judgment. It's everything that you could never even imagine beyond your wildest dreams. That does sound like a wonderful, wonderful time to look forward to. Christ will be with us here on this earth, reigning. And we will be reigning with Him. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we will be overseeing all these various cities of the people, of the nations, of the world. Marvelous thoughts. But then, but then, with all of that bliss and happiness taking place, for a thousand years... People will be living in the best circumstance you could imagine. They have Christ there to look at, to point them in the right direction all of the time. Not only will they have Christ, they will have us who will be doing His will perfectly because we are again in our glorified state. 
We're no longer doing things our way. We are doing things His way. So as we reign with Him, we will be just and we will be merciful and we will dispense grace just like Christ would. So throughout the world, there is this perfectness going on for a thousand years. But then God does this thing that I have very little understanding about. He releases Satan again. He releases Satan again to do the thing that Satan does. To deceive. The word is deceive used here. He'll tempt and lead people astray. Listen to these words. Verse 7. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came out onto the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now again, here we read that Jesus has reigned over this millennium kingdom for a thousand years. And then he'll release Satan for this one final temptation of the nations. And Satan will go out there and he will rally some of his most powerful demons to help him. That's Gog and Magog. Two very, very powerful demons mentioned in the scriptures and other places back in the Old Testament. And according to these words, many from within these nations, people who have been living this joyous life under the leadership of Christ, for some reason, they will turn away and they will follow Satan. That is so sad. It describes them as numbering the sand of the seashores. So many, perhaps millions of people who have had every opportunity to see and live within the most perfect of conditions that human beings in their human state could live in, but yet they turn against God. That is so sad, and it is beyond my understanding. And so we see them then gathering there on what's called the plain, and they will surround the great millennial city where Jesus and all of us are there, but it'll be to no avail. There'll be no war. There'll be no fighting. Listen to this, verse 9. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire then comes down from heaven and devoured them. No war, no need for it. Jesus spoke and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And it tells us here that the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. For mankind, it is finally over. Well, at least within their human state. Satan has been defeated for the last time. Coming up in the next verses is the judgment. And I do want to hold that for next week because it's, it has to be taken in its fullness. So I will close for us for now. Let's pray. Father, 
everything you do is good and so we accept all of this as being good though we don't quite always understand why you do things but it's obvious that you wanted more people to be saved you don't desire that that any should perish so you give them another opportunity bless us thank you for your truth thank you for explaining it to us holy spirit thank you in jesus name amen